0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital
2: have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever.
1: We need to be prepared
2: for the future.
0: I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun.
2: Pacific Prepared.
3: Pacific prepared.
0: Plan
2: this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse.
3: What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
2: And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream You must ready.
1: Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually I know it's gonna hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community.
2: Helping your family.
1: Helping you. Pacific prepared.
2: Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.
4: Hi, I'm Fred Hooper, and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change, and traditional knowledge, and how those things are all connected. And you'll hear that through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week, we work with local reporters there on the ground, letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, a group of women in Papua New Guinea have been working hard on their coastlines, particularly on something that doesn't always spring to mind when you think about coastlines in the Pacific. Also, having perspective on climate change, if you've never seen how things were before, can you really have a good understanding of what's happened since?
5: You can see the tidal changes, the sea receding more,
4: yeah.
5: coral's dying, there's no sand anymore. the sands being all eroded away, and the fish. We used to have so many schools of fish in front of our house.
4: And traditional owners from across the Pacific have come together on the doorstep of the Great Barrier Reef in Australia to find the best ways to protect and preserve coral reefs. To
1: further our knowledge, to learn more, so that we can go back and, you know, help my people, uh, people in our community... The main thing is to protect and, and conserve our marine uh, reserve back home. So we need to improve because I, we hardly get spaces that, used to, that live in, the, in those areas. So we want to, um, to get more, more food for our people in
2: the future.
4: That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared.
2: I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder.
1: You're listening to Pacific Prepared.
4: When you think about the coastlines in the Pacific, maybe you can see the beaches, the incredible blue water. It even sounds beautiful. But I just want to focus on something else on the coastline for this story. Something that's really important, but probably doesn't get the credit it deserves. I'm talking about mangroves. They're a group of trees that dominate the water's edge in all different parts of the world, including the Pacific. Papua New Guinea Pacific prepared reporter and freelance journalist Ben Kadoga has this story. A group of women from a coastal village in central
3: province of Papua New Guinea continue to strive to ensure a project they started several years ago To rehabilitate their mangrove forest remains their core focus. These all-women groups supported by their elders in the community have been a success story. One that is based on sheer determination and concern for their livelihood, now and into the future. The group had support from a local NGO who empowered them with certain level of knowledge and understanding of the importance of keeping a healthy mangrove forest. Pacific Prepared spoke to Women Leader Mari Mamey about her thoughts on their projects and she tells us why the upkeep and rehabilitation of this vital resource is important to her coastal village of Pokama.
2: I think the mangroves are important because they provide fresh air, they attract marine resources like fish, crab and other sea creatures which they have a home to live in. Mangroves store carbon from the Earth's atmosphere, helping to combat global warming. They also protect coastlines from being washed away from rising seas. Mangroves also provide food and a source of income for my community, Pokama, and also other communities living along the coast.
3: The coastal village of Pokama was hit by natural disaster several months ago when King Tide hit the village, and Murray saw firsthand why it is important to preserve mangroves.
2: Well, disasters are natural and come when we least expect it. With the King Tide we had last December 2022, a few homes were destroyed. Planting mangroves, I believe it helps reduce the impact of climate change, which threatens my home, Pokama. My community, Pokama, is prepared because the mangroves that we planted some years back will protect my community in future di- disasters that may arise.
3: However, Mari, who is also the spokesperson and deputy chair lady of the Pokama Women in Mangrove Project, is concerned that the hype around the project is slowly dying, and something needs to be done. She acknowledged in a recent interview with Pacific Prepared that the road towards maintaining interest in the project and holding on to the little support she has is not an easy ask.
2: When I don't see such support and participation from the younger generation, I feel so sad in my heart because what we are doing now is not for us but for them and our children, which they will benefit from. As a person leading this work, I feel it's quite hard and challenging. But if we women are doing something for our community by working hard to revive the mangrove rehabilitation project,
3: we need that support. Despite all these challenges, Marie is a determined woman leader. She says she's not going to let all these challenges weigh her down but she will continue to strive with whatever little support she gets to continue this mangrove rehabilitation project.
2: I intend to carry on despite lack of support because we don't get paid for what we do. We work on volunteer basis. I feel it's important to protect our seashores and environment and also our marine resources. And it is also for the good of our community in terms of livelihood and for our future generations to come.
4: Thanks to Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist, Ben Kadoga for that story from Papua New Guinea. My name's Fred Hooper and you're listening to Pacific Prepared. People's lives have been affected
5: by a disaster.
2: Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do.
1: Clearing roads restoring critical infrastructure.
2: All the signs
4: are coming, so we have to prepare.
1: Be prepared.
4: Pacific prepared. Perspective can be a useful thing. It can give you a better understanding of where things are at right now. Something like climate change. It's difficult to know and see how things have changed, unless you've seen the before image, unless you can remember what things were like it's hard to have an understanding of how much things have changed. Recently, Pacific Prepared spoke with a Samoan resident who has this perspective.
5: You can see the tidal changes, the sea receding more, coral's dying, there's no sand anymore. Yeah, the sand's being all eroded away and the fish. We used to have so many schools of fish in front of our house. Um, I am Momoi Reiki. Uh, I live in Samoa. And how long have you lived here for? All my life I've been here. Just um, when. The only time being away is when I went away to school in New Zealand. And we spent some time on our farm in New Zealand.
4: Yeah. What's been your experience with natural disasters in Samoa since you've lived here?
5: I think uh, cause I've gone through one hurricane. And also, we had the tsunami not very long ago. But the weather is changing so much now that um, it's like, um, it's, it's volatile. You don't know it might happen. I mean, look at the weather right now, it's very hot, and then it changes dramatically. You know, it becomes cooler, and it's a very uncertain type of um, climate changing now. But you um, can see the tidal changes, the sea receding more, yeah. corals dying, there's no sand and we have a beach house at Luffy Luffy just up down the coast here. There's no sand anymore, mm. you know, the sand's been all eroded away and the fish, we used to have so many schools of fish in front of our house, yeah. not, just hardly any, it's just... Um, It's very scarce to have it. Look at to see uh, some of the um, marine life, like we used to have uh, coral and also some seaweed. It's all gone. Right. Mm. Okay, because we have um, the four seasons. We have different climate. um, The ways we can look at the climate changes, like when the wind changes, like we have a wind that comes in during springtime, which is now and then it dries up things, you can see it's very dry but it's, it's become very extreme it used to be like it, we know when it's coming and then we expect because this is like our palolo season when our, there was the sea worm rises and then the, the rains come and you see the flowers changing but um. Uh, just lately, you see more things drying up. Um, I cannot see... This is a time when you see a lot of birds flying because it's springtime. Well, coming into spring, there's hardly any more bird life. You know, we used to have uh, a lot of, like, the pukeko the or the manuali It's like the peahen, you know. We used to have them in front of our garden here. Yeah, they're all gone, you know.
4: So there are things that you would look out for, like, in that would happen in, naturally that would indicate to you something about yeah. the weather?
5: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, naturally. I mean, because the cycles of the weather in our country, changes of seasons, you can see when... Well, it's like your country, too. You see when the plants change, flowers bloom, and the sea rises... Like this is the polar season, we, so this is when we prepare to go out and hunt the sea worm that rises back October, November. I don't think anyone's prepared to go out. I, I don't know. Maybe they will get some. I'm not sure. But it's um, there's so much changes. The sea itself, the climate. I mean, the temperature in the sea. I haven't been in the sea lately. It's just my children that go swimming. But sometimes it becomes very. Extremely hot, uh, and then because it cools in some areas. Mm. Yeah, so then we're moving into the summer itself, the summer times, which will be the hurricane weather. And it's extreme, I don't know, we, we have to wait for this one because now it's um, it's unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, we could expect a hurricane any day. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, as a person that sits here and looks out at the sea, it's what I
4: yeah. you've got some, a lot of young people in this house at the moment running around, relatives that are running around how do you feel about like their future in Samoa um, if, when we're talking especially around climate change it's, it's sad it's,
5: um, it's a future that I have to get hold of and do um, do things for themselves look at what's changing in their lives you know I mean, we need to, for right now, like cutting trees and preserving water, waterways, and it's not too late. You can still do it. It's um, just, uh, we have a Catholic, um, I have a, a Catholic uh, nun, friend, who heads a group called, um, Oh, I just can't remember now. But it's a group that goes around with the Catholic um, missions around the town area. It's like a group of people that look at the lands and all the Catholic people, they have to walk the land and see why the land is becoming, you know, a lot of um, deprivation in the land. The The trees are dying, the rivers are not functioning. But they, this is uh, its just like a, a really good initiative. Um, I think they call it Laudato Si. It's, uh, it's just a Catholic group of uh, old uh, girls from uh, St. Mary's College. And they all group around and go all around the different um, areas and regions of Apia. Because they realize there's so much damage in the land. There's uh, rubbish in... Our people need to realize that that's what's causing a lot of other um, disharmony in, in the environment so that they need to really look at, you know, preserving their own um, environments, growing things again and cleaning and tidying up. Because they look at it and how does the, the water go from the land to the sea? They need to look at that. They need to make ways so that the water can flow naturally. And, you know all those things, but but at least it's an initiative that's starting in in here in the, in the center of Apia. so to me that's the first initiative that I know that is it seems to be working because mm. the Catholic people they are doing it from all around the pyramids of Wapia they're really trying, and I hope they'll do that I mean spread it out more to other other areas of, of you know the urban areas and yeah. yeah.
4: Can you just think back to the cyclone or the hurricane that you were part of and and what it was actually like for you at that time? Like, do you remember that that time very well? Um, Yes,
5: uh, it was quite bad um, because we were not prepared. No one's prepared. We just suddenly got a warning that there's a cyclone coming. So we all have to, you know, rush out of our homes and... Try to save as much as we can and get all the children out from one place to another to you know to, for safety, and then of course, um, there's a lot of fallen trees and houses being ripped up.
4: Uh, so, so where were you when the actual when the cyclone actually hit?
5: I was here, I was here and up here in, the,
4: in this house.
5: No, I was in my father's house with up the hill. Okay. Uh, before I came down here, yeah. So the the sea came right over onto the shore by those houses. Out in the sea, it was just <sighs> yeah. Well, yeah, <around clears throat> yeah. But then after that, then we had to find water. You know, because we were not prepared. All the families were needing water, so we can see people running around with. Buckets and containers to go further up deep into the hills here so that there's water there so we can get some Yeah.
4: Were there any other other disasters similar to that that you went through that you, that you recall?
5: The, the last tsunami we had It didn't happen here, but the earthquake was very bad So then we all have to clear out of our houses And again, it was not like we were not prepared because really, with those things you have to be to know where to go to with your certain amount,
4: and what about climate change How is that sort of talked about now compared to say twenty thirty years ago what do you what sort of changes have you seen there
5: oh, drastic yeah well, just in the sense of looking at the trees twenty years ago, the trees were so um very green very uh very lush, and we could grow so much. I mean, it's just in my front yard here. They're all dying. I mean, I could plant it and water it, but they don't seem to, to really, like, um, lush and beautiful as what it was 20 years ago. So I feel that there's so much um, that we need to look at. Uh, like sometimes sometimes the changes in weather according to our traditions is um, like it's a breadfruit season or then you, the, all the breadfruits would fruit and that's the time to harvest and that's sometimes too that we um, then we you know we have certain fishing um, expeditions and things like that it doesn't happen anymore you know it's all changing and I don't think uh, the young generation will even know you know, or anything about those um, those kind of uh, traditional things that we used yeah. to have before. Yeah.
4: Is, that, is that something that you worry about too, that that sort of traditional knowledge is not being passed down?
5: Absolutely. It's absolutely. I think it's dying out unless we really... You know, there's um, a sense of revival in people like me, um, you know, would like to really regenerate that sort of knowledge in the young people that are growing up. Because some people like her, by Moya is more aware of what's happening. But I know because within a certain uh, area of our society, these things are are looked at with with a bit of worry. But the rest of people here, I don't think they understand it is going to cause a lot of dramatic changes in their lives. Yeah. Breadfruit is one of our staple diets, uh, and also we have taro and uh, mangoes and other fruits that, that we would harvest. But in in the olden days, and also as I was growing up, that if there's a season of breadfruit and it's very heavy, yeah, I think it's towards the end of... Um, it's uh, towards the end of summer. Yeah, or towards the end of spring, I think, when uh, yep, the fruits really come up. And then they'd say, oh, it doesn't look good. This August bad weather. We're going to have a hurricane. This is, um, so we have to get ready. So um, then they would take all the extra fruits that are falling down, or get some more. And then they would start in the olden days weaving baskets and digging pits and they would put these extra fruits into it mm. and they would bury it. And um, it's like fermentation. You ferment the food in the ground so that when during uh, the, the hurricane season when there's no food, there's famine, then we'd dig these pits up and would share it with all the, you know, the family.
4: So how long can something be good for in the ground like those fruits how long would they last for
5: oh oh, they would last for a while I think um maybe three or four months or something. yeah (laughs) okay yeah Yeah. Yeah. but yeah before the, the before we had these the European style houses and when it was close to the seasons of the hurricanes because our houses are made of um you know um wood and um thatched with um, sugarcane leaves and stuff like that, so it, it makes the wind blow, you know, right through. It's um, it's also for, yeah, for... It's like a means of safety as well, you know, that no, nothing's going to fall on your head, at least you can rebuild the house again.
4: A long-time Samoan resident speaking with Pacific Prepared recently in Samoa about her memories... Of how things have changed over the years that she's lived in Samoa. Disaster is part of our life, and recovering is also part of our
1: life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are.
4: You are listening to Pacific Prepare. Traditional owners from Australia, Samoa, and Papua New Guinea have come together to develop a coral reef monitoring project for the Pacific about 20 leaders gathered together for a week-long workshop in Queensland's Bundaberg region, which is about 400 kilometres north of Brisbane. And they were looking at blending traditional knowledge and modern technology to best protect the reef. ABC News reporter Grace Whiteside has this story.
0: The reefs were all washed out. There were completely no corals. On Christina Gabriel's island home of Samoa, there are still telltale signs of a catastrophic tsunami that engulfed its shores almost 15 years ago. Ms Gabriel remembers living on the eastern side of the island when in September 2009, a rare double earthquake created waves up to 22 metres – that hit Samoa, American Samoa and Tonga, killing almost 200 people and destroying villages. Beneath the water's surface, where food sources are so crucial to her nation's way of life, recovery remains slow. So at the moment we need uh, assistance
1: to um, replant and improve the, 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 well, the
0: fishing, you know, and get more food from, from the sea. She'll take information from the cultural exchange back home. To further our knowledge, to learn more so that we can go back and, you
1: know, help my people, uh, people in our community. The main thing is to protect and and conserve our marine uh, reserve back home. So we need to improve because we hardly get spaces that that live in in those areas. So we
0: want to um, to get more more food for our people in the future. Yashika Nand from the Australian Institute of Marine Science knows it's important to have traditional expertise in coral reef management. Climate change and other impacts, like there is so much disturbance, there's too many cyclones happening, overfishing. There is a lot of like land-based activities that's affecting their resources. So kind of trying to bring in some of the things that has happened in the past and some of the new innovation together to manage resources. Papua New Guinea representative Naomi Longa is a co-director of the Sea Women of Melanesia, a group that trains women in PNG and Solomon Islands to help protect reef zones in their communities.
2: We have a lot of challenges like trying to get this information to communities because obviously communities, they cannot understand graphs and figures like on the charts.
0: The plan is to create an online dashboard, a single place where all of the live data can be found. We can use that to sort of relay the information to the communities and tell them what sort of fish they see out there and is it like increasing or
2: decreasing in population, something like that. And that is something where it's simple and
0: community can understand and they know what's happening out out in their reefs. Coral monitoring projects are already underway in the Wide Bay region. Here's Gadagil Land and Sea Ranger and Tarabalang Bundaman Des Purcell.
4: There's a lot of runoff in our area from local farming and stuff, so we want to know that our our water is healthy and and our fish stocks are protected and um, seagrass for our turtles, dugons. We do our best um, to try and uh, conserve and manage those practices that we have done so for a long, long time with uh, Western science and um, and new technology. So, coupling traditional ecological knowledge with new scientific um, knowledge. So, and it's working. I find that it's working. It's working well.
0: For local Gurang elder Lola Tiger, the cultural exchange is yielding good results. I think our our little part of the world's in good hands. At the moment, it's in good hands. And
1: the more we educate people uh, and the more people want to be educated, we will be in good hands. So, yeah, it's very important that we save our planet.
4: Gurang Elder, Lola Tiger, ending that report from ABC News' Grace Whiteside. This show was made on the lands of the peoples of Stony Creek Nation in Lutruwita, Tasmania. Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about natural disasters, climate change and how traditional knowledge links them all together. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared.